0: Thanks so much for joining us at Vive Church for our podcast. If you're local to the Bay Area, we'd love to see you at one of our four locations. For more information, check us out
1: on VibeChurch.org. Now here's Pastor Adam with a powerful message. Well, it is so good to have you in church today. And as I said, you must be crazy. Something must be going on in a church when we pack out on a Memorial Day weekend, on a three-day weekend. I don't know, you really, really must love Jesus, and that's exciting to me. And so we thought we would do something uh, something special today. We want to do something different. we we got our acoustic set, I'm on a rug, which kind of feels different, feels fun. Can we give it up for our worship team? Just, just amazing at all our locations. And I want to do something special out of the ordinary, what we don't usually do here at Vive Church, but just... As a a reward and to create FOMO for everybody else who didn't come to church, we wanted to create something special and I wanted to do a little, a one standalone sermon, this is not in our series, but I wanted to have a conversation with my wife about marriage. More specifically, what matters in marriage. In fact, even more specifically, what matters to God in marriage. So we're going to have a little conversation today. So as you prepare your hearts for the Word of God today, would you find 10 people around you and look them in the eyes and say, you matter. Give them a high five, give them a hug, whatever you feel comfortable with. You matter. Just say, you matter. Come on, all our locations. Come on, San Francisco. Come on, San Jose. You matter, you matter, you matter. matter. Amen. You matter. Amen, amen. Swap. Hey, can we welcome my wife up on stage? Good morning. Uh, I absolutely... We had to swap
0: seats because this is his good
1: side. <laughs> yep. Shots fired. Shots fired. Every side's my good side. Amen. That's because that's I tell you that. I tell you, you don't have a bad side, baby. So you can sit anywhere. So what I want to do, thank you, Mona, my points while I preach, as I said, we're just to kind of have a little fun in church, and I want to make sure that from the onset that you engage, because the more silent you are, the more awkward it tells me that you are, when it comes to the subject of marriage and sex and all kinds of things, if you didn't take your kids out to kids' church, that's your problem, okay, I take no liability for what they learned today, and what questions they ask you after church, as a result of the preaching of the Word of God, and so... So I just want to prepare you for that. I'll give you a little window of time if you want to leave. I'm even talking to my daughter. If you just don't feel comfortable, I'm joking, you get to stay and learn. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to just create a conversation around marriage. And, and, and just kind of really, we, we thought, wouldn't it be good to just talk about marriage really from the conversations that we have uh, and, and just be vulnerable and be real and really just talk about what matters in marriage, you know, Kira and I—we we don't claim to be experts. No. We are a little experienced because we've been married for sixteen years. Right. Give her a hand.
0: Yes, give me a hand.
1: <laughs> and, uh, and and I know that may be child's play for some people here who've been married way longer, uh, but but we just we just know what we know this far. And we just kind of want to talk about really what matters to us in marriage. Just so you know, we did get married 16 years ago. Uh, we were children when we got married. We were. We look back at photos and...
0: Why did anybody let us get I that? don't know.
1: It was crazy. Like, they couldn't contain our passion. Photo.
0: We should release one later on social media. Yeah, I'd like that. Just for entertainment.
1: Yeah, let's do that.
0: He had a flavour saver. Yes. Very, very special. A little,
1: little chin beard. Yep. And it was dark back then. It was. It was, it was. it was dark back then. But, but, you know, when Kira came into my life, she walked to my church, walked off drugs, alcohol, promiscuity. Oh, just joking. I made that up. But, but, but God brought me into her life, and, uh, and the rest is history. Uh, but, you know, she, I, do, I do want to reveal that she was wearing some extremely tight snakeskin pants. And sometimes, sometimes snake skin. And, and sometimes, you know, when you're worshipping in church. They were in, church, in fashion, okay. They, oh, they were in. Uh, and sometimes you don't know if you're worshipping the creator or the created thing. But I was still worshipping that day. And, uh, and the rest is history. You know what I mean? We've married 16 years, so shut up. And it took me a little while to convince her. However, I knew from day one. I'm gonna I'm gonna do everything in my power and my finances to make her my wife. And it took me three years to convince her. But for the sake of time, I'm not gonna let her tell her rendition. What I'm gonna do is I just wanna set a framework for marriage, and just so we can kind of get into some topics today and talk about some real stuff. This is, this is just gonna, I'm just gonna get you to fasten your seatbelts. This is not gonna be your nice expected church topic on marriage. We're gonna get real, we're gonna go down, we're gonna get dirty, we're gonna get just transparent. If you can't handle the heat, get out of the kitchen. Uh, but I just wanna come at you in, in the real way. And before I do that, why don't we just set a little bit of scripture? That's always helpful. <laughs> Because this is a church. Matthew chapter 19. I want to read this in Matthew chapter 19. And I'm going to read from the message version because I've never preached from the message version, but I am excited about this passage in the way it's written. And I just think it's really cool. It says this Matthew chapter 19, verse 1. When Jesus had completed these teachings, He left Galilee and crossed to the region of Judea on the other side of the Jordan. Great crowds followed Him there and He healed them. One day the Pharisees were badgering Him is it legal for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? He answered, "Haven't you read your Bible that the creator originally made man and woman for each other, male and female? And because of this, a man leaves his father and mother and is firmly bonded to his wife becoming one flesh, no longer two bodies, but one. Because God created this organic union of the two sexes, no one should desecrate his art by cutting them apart." They they shot back in rebuttal, if that's so, why did Moses give instructions for divorce papers and divorce procedures? Jesus said, Moses provided divorce as a concession to your hard heartedness, but it is not a part of God's original plan. God's plan? I'm holding you to the original plan You're, uh, and holding you liable for adultery if you divorce your faithful wife and then marry someone else. I make an exception in the cases where there is a spouse has committed adultery. Jesus' disciples objected. If those are the terms of marriage, we're stuck. I love the Bible. It tells us a lot about their relationships. Why get married? But Jesus said, not everyone is mature enough to live a married life. It requires a certain aptitude and grace. Marriage isn't for everyone. Some from birth never uh, never get asked or ac- well, well hang on some some from birth seemingly never get give marriage a thought. Others never get asked or accepted. Savage. And some decide not to get married for kingdom reasons so noble. But if you're capable of growing into the largeness of marriage, do it. I like this Because what we've got here is we've got Jesus who is really recalibrating the society's perspective on marriage, the purpose for marriage. I don't even, what I like about this is it's not just something that we have to deal with today in society's perspective on marriage, but even Jesus had to recalibrate society's perspective then of marriage. And really what we know, and and I wanna kind of really get through this part because I wanna look at really what matters in marriage, but we're gonna work from a framework, making sure we're all on the same page of what marriage is Uh, because I could talk about marriage, but you could come from a different perspective and we're going to interpret it differently. But if we're going to know what really marriage is about, we need to to know its original design. And like any product or any design, we have designers here, you know that to get the real authentic understanding of what the design is, you need to speak to the designer. No one can tell you a design's intent like the designer themselves. And because God was the one who designed marriage... We need to go to God to understand His intention and purpose for marriage because He was the very designer. In fact, we see right back from Genesis where Adam was roaming around the garden. The Bible says that he could find no animal suitable as a mate. That's just a little awkward if you really think about it. That Adam is literally sizing up the animals and thinking, could you do? (laughs) But none of them, none of them. Not even, none of them work. So what God did, being a good God who gives good gifts, brought Eve along. Don't ever say God doesn't give good gifts. And what the Bible says in Genesis 2.23 says, At last the man exclaimed, This is bone of my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman. Because when he saw, he said, Whoa, man. Sorry, because she was taken from... Man, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother settled down and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Really, what I wanted to draw from that when we're looking at the, the covenant of marriage and the, and, the, and the original intent and the design that God had for marriage was that word covenant. That's true. That God's plan from the beginning was to bring two people into covenant. But what we saw and what Jesus was addressing with the the Pharisees was he was addressing what Moses had established through the law, which was a contract. Marriage had become a a contract where like any contract, there are clauses Mm -hmm. that if you fit one of the clauses, you could end your marriage and you could divorce for any reason. Some of the clauses were you weren't happy with your wife anymore or you weren't attracted to her anymore. And so all of a sudden, so she got a little bit old and she got a little bit stubborn. so you could just divorce her under the law because every contract has a clause, but the, God did not design marriage as a contract; he designed marriage as a covenant that 's right and there 's a major difference between contract and covenant. a contract is an exchange of promise, where a covenant is an exchange of person wow. yes. that 's what explains where the two shall become one, one one flesh one flesh, and so we see this even in our covenant with Christ that that two become one, that we are brought as heirs of Christ, that we are literally made one flesh with Christ. We are made sons and daughters brought into His family. It's a, it's a new covenant. And I like what Jesus said to, to even the disciples, because the disciples objected. This is hard, man, we're stuck. This wasn't even the Pharisees. This is where the disciples kicked in. I'm fascinated by these, these guys. He said, why get married? And then Jesus responded, marriage is not for everyone. Not everyone is mature enough to live a married life. How many married people do I have here? All our locations, put your hand up if you're married. Leave it up if you're happily married. Someone down. Someone, I got you. Got him. Got him. Uh-oh. Okay. We'll offer you counseling up. Put it down. Put it down. <laughs> All the married people know that not everyone is mature enough to live a married life. It requires a certain aptitude and grace marriage isn't for everyone. Just to involve everyone, how many people are single? Hands up just so I know the dynamics of what we're working with here. If you're single, keep it up. If you want to be married one day. Oh man, I saw that. That like both times. Like, uh, yeah. uh, Before I thought, now I'm not so sure. Well, I want to talk about when it comes to marriage, if we're going to talk about God's original intent and purpose for marriage, I think it'd be good to discuss what actually matters to God in marriage. Yeah. That'd be a great way to expose what we think matters in marriage, what we think matters to God, that maybe doesn't matter so much to God. Because I know that when we first got married, there were some things that mattered to us that don't matter so much anymore 16 years on. Absolutely. Like what matters, what matters not so much now that used to matter to you? Yep. Um, be re- how many people want her to be honest? Uh,
0: okay. So, um, so when we get married, we have a romantic idea of what our life is going to be like together. Right. And it's like it's like this marrying of two people together, and we are suddenly going to be able to do everything together. And that so is so cute, so wonderful, and it lasts for about. Five weeks in your marriage before you start sending each other insane. Crazy. If you make it through the honeymoon. Yes. And it's like...
1: So I think even on the honeymoon, we just need a little break. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: you know, like couples... Is that just are, us?
1: Yeah,
0: you know, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, we came back I together you, for purposes,
1: you know? but yeah. yeah.
0: I, spe- I, spe- I work with you. I do everything with you. You do. But um, yeah, in those early days, it was just like you know romantically putting our hand to everything but you know god had to just grab hold of me because it's like he didn't bring us together to minimize our influence he brought us together to maximize our influence and marriage is about multiplication of two people and so i think a lot of times we just think like marriage is is minimizing who i am but actually it's there to maximize that's really good I, what used to matter to me doesn't matter anymore. I don't care if you don't go grocery shopping with me. I like perusing the shopping aisles and getting what I want and putting it in the trolley and paying for it yep. with my money, uh-huh. like you know, yeah, with get, our money.
1: Yeah. <laughs> my money is our money. Her money is her money. Yeah. <sighs> Give some witness from all the ladies up the back. Uh huh. Holla. Holla. You know what used to matter to me, and I think it was really connected to identity, was uh, I, it really mattered to me if, if you wanted your dad to be the rescuer of everything. You know, anytime there was a problem or we faced a trial, it was like, oh, I should call my dad. And, and that would, like, irritate me yep. so much. And I was like, I don't want to call your dad.
0: Because you wanted to be the answer to my problem. I
1: wanted to be no? your daddy. I wanted to like, your daddy? prince charming. No. Settle down. <laughs> now I'm like, let's call your dad. Let's let's ask him for money while you're at it. That's what I don't care about my identity. Just if he can fix something. Save me the time.
0: I hope he's watching.
1: But it's amazing how things change, and and I think the way we start doesn't always represent the intended purpose from the beginning. Yeah, I think it's good to recalibrate. So I thought, why don't we just talk about what matters to God in marriage? There's a few things I want to maybe cover and maybe the first thing we could talk about and ask a question. Does happiness matter to God in marriage? It's
0: a great question.
1: And, and I want to give a controversial answer. I want to say, kind of not really. Wow. Now, I know that might offend some people because so often the premise of why we get married these days is happiness. Yeah. I want to be happy and... They make me happy. But what happens is those same people who get married because of a desire to be happy find that there is a whole lot of unhappiness in yeah. marriage that becomes very confusing when the premise of why you get together is to find happiness. It's very confusing when you find yourself in a marriage where there's a lot of heartache, a lot of hurt, because you've got two people who are very selfish. Yes. Intrinsically selfish. Yes. No matter how good you are, there are still elements where you have a different agenda. Right. And those two tensions will always create unhappiness in marriage. And if the foundation of your marriage is based on being happy, you're going to be very disappointed in marriage. Mm-hmm. If you're not there yet, you will get there. <laughs> yep, That's such an encouraging little sermon. <laughs> sermonette.
0: But the same goes for your Christian walk as well.
1: That's right.
0: It's not about life enhancement. It's about that's, life transformation. That's right. The Christian walk isn't going to be like this happy
1: life Exactly. Either.
0: It's going to be uh, challenged.
1: Exactly. So I think it's very important to decipher when we're talking about happiness or marriage. It's very, very important to know what is a product and what's a purpose. It's a great way to categorise ideas of marriage because I do believe that you can have happiness in marriage. I'm sure there's some very happily married people here. You. Uh,
0: He's
1: prophesying? No, I'm happily married. I'm, us, Amen. Us, we. I'm happily married. We're very happily married. Yes, but doesn't mean there hasn't definitely been seasons of unhappiness in marriage. That's right. And very much hardships. And so when you know that that happiness can be a byproduct of marriage, but it not, not necessarily the intended purpose of marriage. In fact, I think that. If if happiness was the purpose of marriage, Genesis would read very differently. Genesis would read more like Disney, that God made two, one flesh, and they lived happily ever after. But that's not what Jesus is preaching here. In fact, Jesus says it takes a certain aptitude and grace to be able to be married. Let me translate. It's going to be hard work to be married. Hard work doesn't always sound like happiness to me. But could it be that more than happiness, even though happiness is a product, could it be that the intended purpose of marriage is self-sacrifice? Oh, two people? (laughs) Could it be that God's plan for marriage more than happiness was to discover the power of partnership and to know what it is to be aligned and to know what it is to lay your agenda aside? To actually be faithful, even when there is the, the temptation of unfaithfulness. To learn what it is to self-sacrifice. To learn what it is to walk through seasons of success and struggles with somebody. To learn what it is to have the power of alignment and to know commitment of faithfulness. To experience an aspect of God's love that you wouldn't know on your own. Yes. Oh, help me preach. Don't go hey, quiet good. on me right now. Well, oh, let's go back to it. But it's still it's, it's death to us part. And it's about, it's about happiness. I mean, that's nice, but it's not realistic. I'm not saying that's not a product of discovering the power of partnership, but really what matters to God, I think that God discovers that that God's plan and what matters to Him in marriage, that we discover more of Him, that we lean into Him more as a result of God bringing a blessing and sometimes a burden in our life, that this is the beautiful thing that the crucible of marriage can produce in your life is ultimately teach you things that you wouldn't get to learn if it wasn't for something in your life that caused you every day to be better in you yes. and to make yourself better. Yes.
0: No, I love it. I love it. I, you mentioned something earlier you, when you read that passage in the message version. Mm-hmm. And what stuck out to me was that the enemy will try and desecrate God's artwork and marriage is the expression; it is a modern day expression of who Christ is to the church, yes. and that was always meant to be forever. It was never meant to be temporal, right. and and He has made His commitment to the bride, the church, you and I, and and marriage today seems to have slipped in our society and society is beginning to frame what marriage is. And I think it's so important that we come back to what the Bible says because marriage was designed by God. And where there are healthy marriages in society and healthy marriages in culture and healthy marriages in the church and where there are healthy marriages, you know, in in our nation, then we see that there is health in society. Marriage is a gift to the world. Because it teaches that self-sacrificial nature. Children who grow up in a home where they see the commitment to each other. You know, like we, we get so displaced so easily. Yes. And, and marriage is, is also a picture of authority. Yes. And, and, you know, being submitted, like, I mean, that is such a powerful notion. Oh, yeah. I know one of my greatest challenges is to remain submitted. Yes. You know, like it says, wives, submit yourselves you know, and that doesn't mean that it's like making myself less. It means that I'm choosing to remain aligned and and allied. And I'm in a place of power. And when you see people, when you see marriages that are strong over years, there is fruit that comes from that. And and I just believe that God has put us together more than just for each other's happiness because that is a byproduct. Yes. But God has put us together with great design and intent and purpose. One can put a thousand to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. And there's a greater purpose to our marriage come on. that we will fight for so that other people can you know, come into the kingdom. And it's an expression of, of His beautiful house.
1: So good, so good. I wonder, along the same vein, but a little slightly more controversial. I wonder if it matters to God how often married people have sex.
0: Real quiet.
1: Oh, you don't want to hear about this, right? You don't don't want to hear about whether God... Let's do a little poll in this church, in this Presbyterian, whatever church we've got going on here, so stiff and religious all of a sudden. How many people think... It matters to God how often married people have sex. How many people think that God does not really care how much you have sex? Anybody? Anybody? A couple people. Couple people. Well, let's go to the Bible because I like what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter seven, verse three. It says the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. Oh. Hmm. Very intrigued right now. And the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. Oh, Amen. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gladly gives, his, gives authority of his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can, come, so you can give yourselves more, more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come straight back together again so that Satan will not be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I love this. This is so important. This is, this is like, you need, to, you need to get this scripture, put it on your mirror and just profess it every day. But I, this is so important to God. And, and, and just so I'm just re- reiterating, we're talking about marriage here, okay? Just so I can make sure nothing gets like twisted. This is, this is in, in the beautiful boundaries of marriage. Yeah. And, and it's so important because this is God's way of keeping us from letting the enemy defeat us. That God has actually created sex as a level of intimacy that will bring you back together. I mean, I'd love to talk about makeup sex because it's great. And, and, and not because of how passionate it is. Don't, don't you get all shy on me too? I'm just
0: glad you
1: enjoy it. I do. And sometimes I'll say, I'll say, hey, honey, let's defeat the devil. Let's get him. Let's get in that bedroom and let's defeat the devil. Let's get some warfare going on. Because (laughs) you don't want to hear the truth. Because the enemy wants to separate and divide. But God has created this beautiful means of bringing two people back together. Oh, help me. And creating union again. Good,
0: babe.
1: And so, and so I, I, I think that God is definitely into creating these expressions of intimacy and that that really does matter to God. Yeah. And this is, God is into sex. I believe romance matters to God. Yep. Yep. Why? Because there is a whole book dedicated to romance in the Bible called Song of Songs. Which tells us that God doesn't just accept romance, He celebrates romance. And sometimes in marriage, the idea of romance was like, oh, that was before married, now everything's planned. Well, you gotta learn about planned spontaneity. You gotta, because we are very planned in our romance. We have date night every Thursday night. And it's so planned, but that doesn't mean I will not text Kira saying, what are you doing on Thursday night? She's like, it's in the calendar. You already know. I'm like, yeah, I'm just thinking about it. Because I'm trying to create some romance. Right. And, and I, like how, I like how romance in, you, you open up Song of Songs. Here's the thing, guys. Can I just help the men out for a moment? You can help the women out for a minute. Because men naturally aren't romantic, but, but God gives you a script. So just open a Song of Songs, put this on a card, kiss me and kiss me again for your love is sweeter than wine. Don't need to quote Solomon. Just own it yourself. <laughs> Song of Songs 1 verse 4. Take me with you. Come, let's run. Bring me into your bedroom. Come on, people. This is biblical. This is going to help. And, and I've, we've, we've had some pretty bad romance situations, haven't we?
0: Um, you're gonna
1: have to remind me. <laughs> well, I remember one time it was your birthday and I I'd, I'd planned uh I'd planned cuz it's hard to just know when the romance is going to flow sometimes just goes, it just happens and you know you could go with it and I'd planned a surprise birthday dinner with like this restaurant and all these friends and we'd packed it out and it was in the wine in wine country and I remember we were up there about like an hour and a half earlier just to have some alone time and we literally just got caught up in 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 just each other and I forgot. I literally forgot that I'd planned a party. And and then like we were like just everything was like we could have just ripped each other's clothes off. This is how romantic it was. Man, I love how awkward everyone gets. Like we're not red blooded people. And and I remember thinking last second, oh, crap, we've got a whole restaurant full of people waiting. I don't know how to transition this. So I just said, let's get some food and let the surprise do the work. And I remember walking in there and the, the change the, the, from hot and heavy romance to, to all of a sudden, surprise, everyone's there. That didn't go down real well. All that to say, you can't always plan romance, but make sure you do plan it as well, okay? Because sometimes you've got to make sure that you plan your spontaneity. You've got to make sure that you work romance into your daily routine of life. Otherwise, you just simply become coexistent in life, going through the motions, doing it as a duty, and ultimately forgetting the fact that God wants you to celebrate every opportunity you get. And we plan it all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah we love our date nights. Thursday night's date night. And it's like... It's you, you can be doing life together. So we work together yes. every, like every day we see each other. You take a day off different to me, which is awesome. But Thursday nights are just a night to, to cultivate our marriage. Right. And I think sometimes we come into our marriage and we're not happy with our marriage or we don't like the way our marriage is, but we forget that we're in control of our marriage and that yeah. we set... Rules of engagement, and we set the landscape, and we can determine how much we water that or whether it becomes a desert. And so, we've just decided that to do what God has called us to do, we need to make sure that we safeguard our marriage and we are a haven of refreshment for each other. So, every Thursday night, we encourage each other. We encourage each other every day, but it is intentional, just you and me time. And I speak to couples all the time, and they're like, Oh, you know date night. It's not so important. It is the most important thing that you can put on your calendar because that creates the framework for your children and what they grow up in, the house and the atmosphere of your home, the atmosphere of your wife's heart, the atmosphere of your husband's heart. There's no greater, more holy, more important thing that you could do for your marriage than create space for just your marriage. You know, a Thursday night, date night. So good. That's not the only night we do it either. Mm. Yes.
1: What are you doing tonight? <laughs> anyway, you know what Corinthians just said? It talked about needs, you know, to fulfill each other's needs. And I think we need to understand that our needs matter to God in marriage. And and here's the truth. Men and women have different needs. Maybe you could talk about what women need, because I'd gladly talk about what men need, but... <laughs>
0: Oh, we, um, women need to be completely known yet completely loved. I think the, the vulnerability factor for, to have our man know everything about us because we love to tell him everything about us, whether he wants to know it or not. And then we want to be completely loved for everything about us. And so that gives us a sense of security Yes. In in marriage. And I think security is another thing.
1: It's very important.
0: That is very important to women and not like not muscles and and pecs and six packs it's not that kind of strength and security it's consistency. So it's like, good, like so good. And the marriage will work. that Hope you're out taking notes,
1: you. men. Like this is, this is good. Yeah,
0: I think I think if your wife has to have a tracking device for you, you know those mobile apps to find out where you are at all times, then maybe you need to build some trust into the relationship. Might be her fear and her insecurity, but maybe there's a deficit there that you need to begin to speak into and cultivate some trust in the marriage. But that you know, was we, for free. I learned
1: this real early on. What is one of the most sexiest things to Kira is predictability. And it I lo- sounds unromantic, but maybe I'll be so that predictable. He's you always going to be there. He's
0: there I when I need him. Exactly.
1: And she knows, she, she knows exactly what I'll do because I've become consistent in her life. But when you see your wife so secure, man, there is so much benefit to that in your marriage. Mm-hmm. What else do women need? Need mm-hmm. affection? Yes. You need a lot of that.
0: Yes, I need lots of cuddles. You and need time. I need you to think I'm beautiful all the time. Don't yep. tell me what you're really thinking. I just want to know.
1: Lie to me. Lie to me. Lie to me.
0: Yes. If I post baby and I ask you how big is my butt and you tell me four handfuls and I need to get it down to two. Who would do
1: that? (laughs) Let's talk about what husbands need. Husbands need sex. It's not a want. It's a need. I'm being real. I'm being really honest. Some things are wants. Some things are needs and, and, and men are wired that way. Some women are wired that way too and that's great and that's, that's a blessing to, to the husband. The
0: Bible talks about fulfilling her needs. Fulfilling her needs. So she has those yeah, needs Yeah, she's got too.
1: needs. Um, but but men, have, men need sex. And, and I think that there are some things but, that, that women can do to help them along that journey because I think men are ready most of the time. It's like ready to go. Yeah,
0: you can be watching a game and then ready. let's go. And I'm like... You
1: haven't... can touch my hand. I'm like, yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I was
1: just trying to get your attention. Like, all right, all right.
0: I'm ready. I don't know. I think, I think you need... I need to mentally prepare.
1: Right. And so how do, you, how do people... Ment- how do women mentally repair?
0: Well... Would this help? <laughs> I hate how you do these things to me.
1: Come on. Tell them.
0: Lingerie helps.
1: Lingerie helps
0: helps i feel like i why does it help that's more for me it's more for my confidence level right. than you. than you right um i'm not posting to it's it, also but. a green light to you for you to exactly. be like exactly yes this is happening oh yeah i didn't yeah
1: no guesswork now
0: no and i think we often assume like the man has to let be the instigator of these things right then you can instigate too come on, you can
1: come on yeah come on got some real brothers up in here what about uh, what about like sexy text messages?
0: Yeah, we've we've learnt that. Tell time.
1: them. How many people want to hear a story real quick? You got nowhere better to be on Memorial Day weekend. Come on.
0: I think I, I think you may have heard this before. Um, I was at a women's conference and they were, one one of the speakers encouraged us to do something similar to what we're encouraging you to do, cultivate some intimacy in your marriage. And um, she said that she sent him a text message. And I thought, this is a brilliant idea. I'm going to send Adam a text message. You should never do it in the middle of a conference though. And so I hadn't seen him for three days and was like, this is what You're you're going to be coming home to this evening, and text him a big long text message. The only problem is, I sent it to my sister-in-law, who (laughs) was not my sister-in-law at the time, but one of my um, one of my girls in my um, she's in the family now. It's all good ministry, (laughs) and she and she was so gracious. She was so beautiful. But hey, if you're going to do it, send it to the right person. Do not group text anybody, and no photos.
1: The greatest tragedy of that whole story is I never saw that text message. That is the real tragedy here people. But but you what but I'm talking about why is sexting Meant to be something that you do in college or before you get married—that society has claimed as something—that no, no, no—we're going to bring it back to marriage. And this may be awkward for you, the idea of that kind of stuff. But but we have talked to so many couples who are at the point of divorce, where if they just did this in marriage and not send it to somebody they shouldn't have sent it to, we wouldn't be dealing with that at all. We'd be actually dealing with how strong marriages are and how fulfilled people are in in marriage. Oh, you're too stiff and religious.
0: You're all just reeling from the fact that I sent it to
1: one of my... It's amazing. <laughs> one of my but can I also, just on the topic of needs, I know we all need, we talk about sex, but, but men also need respect and honour. Yeah, and this is, this is so important for men for women to hear as well that the, sometimes I think uh, we, we, we give honour when we see someone's worthy of honour. But what you've got to understand is the woman in, in, in a relationship, the wife, you have the power of a prophetic voice that you could literally shape the man that he isn't yet, but who you design him to be by just speaking words. Because men will rise to an occasion. Men will only live to the level of what you speak over their life. If you are always cutting him down and telling he's worthless and telling him he's lazy and good for nothing, well, watch out. That's the man that you will have. But if you celebrate something, celebrate the fact that he turned up on time, celebrate the fact that he took a dish out to to celebrate something so I love the way she sometimes will tell me man I love the way you do the dishes I'm like you watch me (laughs) there will not be a dirty dish in this house
0: I like the way you sweep the floor the way you clean that
1: watch me mop it
0: (laughs) that bathroom clean that toilet
1: the voice you have in shaping and declaring and cultivating is so powerful that honor, you watch as a man will rise to that level. And so when we understand that there are certain things we need, and there are some great stuff out there like, like love languages, stuff that's like really, really helpful to understand because we often give love the way we want to receive it, but that's not necessarily the way someone else needs to receive it. And so when you understand uh, the way that somebody needs something, it will change the way you operate in marriage. We're running out of time. Okay, let me ask this question. Does, does finding your soulmate matter to God in marriage? How I many people think God wants you to find your soulmate in marriage? Well, you're wrong. <laughs> I firmly believe that this idea of soulmate, this romantic Uh, romance movies we see about he completes me or she completes me is ultimately not of God. Because God wants to be the one that completes you, that God is not setting you up to find completion in somebody else. But whether you're single or, oh, help me preach, whether you're single or you're married, God says, I will fulfil everything that you need. In fact, God wants to be the completion of you. And when God says that two became one, He was not talking about two halves becoming one. He's talking about two whole, two complete people coming together and making one complete person. Because when you look to marriage as the completion of a deficit in your your life, you enter marriage with the opportunity to take. You're already looking from the origin of that union as what you can take and what you can get and what you can draw out and what you can fulfill. But when you are complete in all that you are, you go into marriage with the whole premise of what I can give. And then you have two people just trying to outgive each other. It's like a competition to how can out give the other. And that is the design where you begin to complement one another. But when you go in with a deficit, be it loneliness or be it an area of needing to be fulfilled, then you're actually going to be drawing and taking from the moment and wonder why it's so full of conflict. One is not the loneliest number. Being single is not the loneliest place you can be in life. Being in a marriage and not being fulfilled or being misunderstood or being rejected and isolated is way more uh, binding and way more lonely than being single ever was. And so if we go into marriage with that thought like, oh, this will complete me, I dare say that God wants to get that short up first, that God wants you to find that in Him. And when we go into marriage, knowing that I'm coming in this to give, then God's purpose for marriage can actually go to work that God's purpose for marriage can be found and fulfilled, that His intention was to achieve something great by the complementing of two people to find one purpose. Two different callings yet together have this intrinsic nature of fulfilling something at a quick, a much faster rate. It's not that God can't fulfill His calling on your own, but the power of two, is, as, as Kira said before, that two could put 10,000 to flight, that it's just magnified in marriage because I'm complete in me. I'm good. I don't need someone to define who I am. I don't need someone to find out my identity and to, to fulfill who I am. God, me and God are good. I know who I am in Christ. I know who I am apart from Eddie Button. Or help me preach from the back. I know who I am in my single season, which will set me up to have the maturity to give in the marriage season. Yet I find what we encounter in marriage so often is two people drawing From each other. And this is where marriage from the onset is already doomed to failure. Because we replace God for somebody else. And we're trying to get from them what only God can give. God cannot be the source of your need, God cannot be the source of all your fulfillment, God cannot be the source of your identity. God will certainly work through your spouse, but I dare say it's not in the ways you want. It'll be to reveal blind spots in your life. No one has a way of revealing blind spots like your spouse, amen? But God will ultimately fulfill your need. Now, this is where I wanna finish with is the fact, because we're out of time, is that something that you need to do is you need to go into marriage with a vision for your marriage. If you enter marriage without a vision for it, you'll be a product of the environment that you find yourself in. You'll be a product of conflict. You'll be a product of, of heartache. You'll be a product of all the frustrations that come with marriage. But if you can have a, a goal in mind, not just of marriage, but who you want to be yourself too. Not just have a a vision for who you want your wife to be, have a vision for who you want to be. This will really establish coming into marriage as a whole person, coming into marriage a complete person, not with deficits looking to get, but looking what you can give. In fact, I dare say that there are even people in here and, you, and this, this word is resonating with you. Maybe you're watching online, maybe you're in one of our other campuses right now, but the idea of take and not getting intention in marriage, maybe, maybe on the surface, everything looks good, but you know that behind the scenes, there's even thoughts of giving up. Maybe you're in here and you're feeling the pressure in marriage Maybe because your perspective was aligned from the beginning, you weren't getting what you thought you needed. But maybe just hearing this today, that what really matters to God is not what you thought matters. What matters to God is commitment and self-sacrifice. And when I frame marriage from that perspective, it puts a whole new lens on, on marriage itself. In fact, can we do something? Would everyone stand to their feet for a moment in here in this atmosphere, all our locations? Because I feel like it would be a right moment right now to pray for, for marriages. Whether you're married or not. Maybe if you're not married, we could pray for the preparation. If that's your desire, if your desire is to get married, then my prayer right now would be that God would work in you the areas that He needs to work on to get you ready to give so that you can be in a place complete in Him. And maybe if you are in a married situation, but you're feeling the tension and you're feeling the frustration and you're feeling the isolation, and you're wondering about alignment. Or maybe you're in here and you're even considering, is this it? I want to pray the very power of God upon marriages here. That God's intended purpose for marriage would be revisited and reminded a new perspective on why God brought us together. So can we do this at every location? Can we just bow our heads and close our eyes? I want to pray for marriages right now. God, we lift up every married person. God, we thank you for the privilege of marriage. God, we thank you for the power that can come from marriage. But God, we pray for everybody, whether they're newly married, whether they're seasoned married, no matter what stage of married life, if they're in a good season, or a hard season. God, we pray that we would again see your perspective. The Lord, we would know what really matters and how you're ultimately aligning two people for a major purpose, a purpose to achieve, a purpose to grow together. And God, I pray for those who aren't married yet, that may be wanting and desiring marriage. God, would you do a work in them? God, would you reveal their blind spots? God, would you reveal by your Spirit what it is that you want to work in their hearts, what you want to shape in their lives, and what you want to position them for and who you want to position them for? And God, ultimately I pray that in this house we would have a testimony of strong marriages, strong alignment, people of purpose. Put hope in hearts again. God, where there have been hearts that are hardened and hearts that are calloused, hearts that have been hurt through divorce, hearts that have been hurt through rejection, hearts that are hurt even in marriage right now. God, I pray that hearts would not be hardened, but You would soften hearts, that You would speak to hearts. Lord, that you would heal hearts. And Lord, that you would bring people together again. God, I pray that you would be glorified through our marriages. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise.
0: We hope you are blessed by this podcast. If you have a story about what God's done or what he's doing in your life, we'd love to hear it. Send us an email at mystoryatvivechurch.org.